here, here we, we go. Yo, 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 yo. Again. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, Brandon, and boys. Today, we will recap UFC 294 from this past Saturday. Um, and thankfully, no fights to preview this week because, man, I do not want to do another two-hour episode like we did last week because <laughs> there is so much to talk about uh, here with this past Saturday's main event and co-main and the whole fight card, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And finally, and as always, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts. But first, boys, uh, how are we doing? Episode 155 of the Neon Belly podcast um, or as some people are very fittingly calling it, mm-hmm. uh, the lightweight episode of the Neon Belly podcast. Yeah. Um, I felt like it was a little bit low-hanging fruit, but hey, when people say it, I, we have to go with it. Well, not only that, you look at the main event of this fight card we're about to talk about. That's why I said very fittingly, John. Yeah. Good job for you figuring that one out <laughs> I so thought quickly. you were just like, oh, 155 <laughs> lightweight. It makes sense. Oh, God, John. Is that how we're starting this today? Yeah. <laughs> I this mean, is exactly how we're starting this. John, John uh, more of a Saturday night potter, not so much the Sunday afternoon guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, recently, that's what we've been doing, man. I just acclimated my bad. Uh, as mentioned, no, uh, no fights to preview this week but um i think we just jump in i am really excited to talk about ufc 294 and everything i mean there is literally down to the first fight stuff to talk about on this card um and i'm super super pumped to get into it uh so let's just get into it john rate sub follow let the people know you guys know what we're here to do man we're here to get you people involved um bring people to us so if you're on spotify or apple podcast you can leave us a five star um if you're on apple podcast you can leave us a review um, if you're anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can usually find us, Neon Belly Podcast, uh, social media, um, Neon Belly Podcast as well. That's Instagram, that's TikTok, that's YouTube, or on Twitter on Neon Belly Pod where we try to post some things up in there as well. So come come follow us and see where this journey is going to take us at the end of the year. Boys, UFC 294 this past Saturday from Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi, uh, which is in the country of where, John? The United Arab Emirates. That's right. Someone better tell Johnny Walker. Uh, too soon, maybe. I don't know. Maybe a little too soon. If I wouldn't have looked that up, I wouldn't have known that. I'll yeah. be honest. If I didn't look it up yesterday during the fight. So. <laughs> We're going to talk about it, though. But we got to first start, with, of course, with the main event. Islam Mahakchev defeats Alexander Volkanovsky via first round knockout. Uh, the boy is good, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> this boy, he is Headshot good. to say the least. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky has not been finished since May of 2013, uh, which ironically, that was also a head kick into a TKO finish as well. Um, but that made 24 straight fights without being finished. Um, and when you consider facing guys like Max Holloway, the Korean Zombie, Yair Rodriguez, Jose Aldo, Brian Ortega, you know, all of these names to me... Um, are men that are more than capable of pulling off a technique like this, but we're all unable to do so, right? Um, Some of those guys, great champions in their own right Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And for that reason, I just don't think you can dismiss this as just a short-notice issue for Alexander Volkanovsky. I don't think a full camp would have stopped what happened to Alexander Volkanovsky. To me, it was genuinely a beautiful technique that was set up from a great game plan by Mahakchev. 
who invested in that left kick right from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Kick in the leg, kick in the body, um, and then just whipped it over the top to just catch the shin, or his shin, excuse me, straight to the top of Alexander Volkanovsky's temple, really. Um, truly, in my opinion, just uh, incredible. Even if I dare say a little weird to just see Volt go down like that because mm-hmm. we've just never mm-hmm. seen it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even those like finishing shots right there and Volk's kind of, you know, he's out, his head's kind of bouncing, like a bit jarring, I guess, to see mm-hmm. that from a guy like Volk who honestly was starting to just seem like even even though we've seen him lose our right to Islam in the last fight, like we're never going to see that side of Alexander yeah. Volkanovsky, right? Uh, but man, here we are. And Islam Akhachev, take a bow, man. Yeah. I mean... Uh, it's funny because I'd watched some people like break down this fight um, leading up to this, and Mighty Mouse is one who was just like, hey, he keeps on dropping his hands from the body kick. You know, it's there. Throw that left high kick, take him out, blast it. Mm, and then, interesting. And then it showed his reaction to it, and he's like, I told you. And he yeah. broke it. I mean, he almost to a T. He had a crystal ball as well. Yeah, yeah. apparently. And um, But, you know, the ability to – I mean, and he hasn't fought since that fight. So it's not like we'd even seen any – more improvement necessarily from Islam, but boy, has that guy been in there working on something? Because yeah, that that didn't even seem like something that was in the toolbox. I mean, obviously we've seen him use body kicks and leg kicks, but to I mean, he blasted it early in the fight, and then to finally find it yeah. later is just. Oof. You guys think any of it has to do with that like height differential at all? The way it just kind of went right above the glove, or do you just think nah? I mean, it was just that that perfectly executed. I just think perfectly executed, man. I, again, I feel like you know rewatching the first fight in the lead up to this fight and then seeing them in the cage again there is a definite size discrepancy there mm-hmm. but i don't look at him and think like oh islam is a full weight class like, you can see this guy is 10 pounds bigger or heavier or what have you um and maybe some of that is volks still has a longer reach right like mm-hmm. he's very long deceptively long in the arms as well um no man i just think it's just a beautiful technique um do you think, Brandon, though, uh, a full – I know I said it there in my like little rundown, but do you think a full camp – because I think maybe maybe someone could argue that, oh, you know, maybe better conditioning. Because we, ha- we do have the luxury now of hearing Volk's po- post-fight interview where he did kind of admit, which I had even brought up to you. Did you not see the YouTube video where he kind of joked about uh, been partying, drinking, mm-hmm. you know? And he did say, like, I wasn't probably as prepared, but he's, you know, no excuses, you know, still saying, like, I bet on myself, so I, I have to take that. Um, but do you think a full camp? Because like I said, maybe better conditioning, maybe if he's in better shape. Um, but I, you know, one thing I said last week is I feel like the only thing maybe Volt could do with more time is a better game plan, but mm-hmm. I just don't know. Like you even said, I didn't know that about Mighty Mouse, so mm-hmm. clearly that's something that was picked up in his right. game that maybe you know Habib and Islam's team had picked up or something as well. Um, I just think no matter what, this was probably always going to be destined to happen if they win, if ever they fought again. Yeah, I mean, it is difficult. I was asking. I want oh, to Sorry, no, you're good. You can go next. I, I no, I, I don't think a, a camp would change anything. I agree with you. And I, John kind of stole the thunder there with the mighty gaming thing because that, that was something I watched as well mm-hmm. was that left kick is there. Yeah. And I said that so I was watching it with my buddy Chuck. And same thing. I was like, watch the left kick for Islam. I wonder if he's going to throw that. Yeah. And it ended up landing perfectly. So, no, I don't think a game or a full camp changes it. I think the outcome is still the same. Um, no, I just, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I guess my, my statement for it would be based off the post fight is I would say, no, it doesn't change it because a full camp would be 
well, I don't know. The, his his comments on basically what not fighting does to him mentally is something that kind of yeah, was we'll interesting to, to me. But um, that's where I think the full camp thing maybe changes. I don't know because it seemed like this was like a, I need to fight right now, so let me take it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think he said what the real truth is is there's certain fighters you just can't step in on. Yeah. And Islam is just way too good to do Which that. Which I 100% agree with that. But I just don't think even on a like again because this was just totally this was all of Islam's doing. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like there was a, the technique. I mean, everything was his game plan. And, right. and I just don't know that it would have changed the outcome much. Um, had there been, you know, a difference. I in, guess in- what I would say is maybe since Volk was preparing for Ilya and, and not maybe we looking at, you know, Islam maybe later in the year or something, maybe his team wasn't looking into as much as what that left kick was doing in the first fight in a full camp. Maybe they could have seen that and made an adjustment. Uh, you know, I just I just disagree with that. I feel yeah, like I kind of do too. I, Volk, I think Volk, of anybody, like I don't think something like that would slip through the cracks. Yeah, like, I think. Well, I mean, working on it though, you did this in ten days. You were working on somebody completely. Sure, but different. if you're working for Ilya, who is a striker, that should be something that's right, at the but forefront. not that exact tech. Like what the the hole was in that I mean, fight. Again, Ilya is capable of throwing right kicks. So. But I'm just saying the the the. What's the word I'm looking for? The tendency to, to, to for that to be there in that fight in that setup. Well, if I think if anything, it was Vol- it's a tendency on Volks and to let that happen. Yes. Like, to leave that open. Right. Right. I just think he has a good enough camp that if if he has a full camp, maybe his coaches see that and try to but make they an haven't. adjustment. If it's been an ongoing thing in ten days, people, though. No, no, no. But I'm saying it's clearly something I'd have to go back and see. You know, Mighty Mouse picking up on right. that. And, Go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say, if it's something that has been continuously happening or a tendency and it hasn't been picked up on, then whether it was 10 days or three months, I don't know that it would have. <laughs> well, I guess I'm just saying in, in three months, you'd have a chance to look at it and address it. I don't think they're necessarily looking for that in the other fights, but it still landed Volk, regardless. Volk so also, it was a good. Yeah, the other thing I was going to add to that was just Volks also said that from the Islam fight, he's learned so much and grown so much as a fighter. So I would think they like looking at the first Vol- or the first Islam fight, if there was anything that stood out from a tr- striking perspective, that was probably one of them. Mm. So I would think that's at least something they've discussed prior to even, you know, booking sure. the fight or anything. So, yeah. yeah. And I think now, so kind of spinning it forward, um, I think if you're the UFC, you have an interesting decision to make now, right? Obviously, um, this fight was originally scheduled to be against Charles Oliveira, who had to withdraw due to the cut. Um, and now I don't know, man. Like, uh, I'd assume that's not something, you know, that will keep him out for a while. Um, but you also have Justin Gaethje, which would be a fresh matchup for Islam, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so do you give him another rematch fight with Oliveira, or do you give him the fresher matchup with Justin Gaethje if you're the UFC? Man, I don't know. Because I think both of them would be um, big, exciting fights, but... I think when you see what he does in a rematch against the number two pound for pound guy or number three pound for pound guy, you kind of probably lean toward, well, let's see something fresh because in a rematch, which is something we talked about they've never done in that camp, to now see the result of it, maybe you do say, oh, well, let's see somebody extra or you know somebody new in that situation. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at the Oliveira matchup just because of the way Oliveira came back against Dariush. I still think that's a fun build-up, fun fight, but having seen him have a rematch with Volk, I think, yeah, I think seeing a fresh matchup with Gaethje would be fun, a little, a little more exciting. One thing, John, you just said, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, before we had moved on, I wanted to speak on this in the performance, and then I'll get back to what I just asked you guys. Um, 
a couple, like probably about a month or two ago, like around the time the Oliveira Islam fight, um, shout out to our boy Cody Merrow. I was actually texting him about the fight. And one thing that I had told him, and I know Brandon, we've had the conversation because you're, you know, obviously a Habib fan, as I've always said, the thing about these daggy guys is they don't rematch anybody. So how does that style hold up when you rematch somebody? Um, and that was kind of going, you know, when I was talking to Cody, that was kind of my thing with Oliveira is like, I just don't know if this, you know, whole um, style, uh, so to speak, is going to, uh, hold up you know over mm-hmm. um a certain amount of time or whatever but i think that's a little bit unfair for me to have classified islam like islam is not habib no. um and i think islam has kind of even broken and separated himself from what that traditional daggy style right mm-hmm. that it kind of come in or whatever um so i guess i just i, I wanted to put that out there as well as like I, I feel like he's even elevated himself in my opinion above where i even saw a guy like habib to mm-hmm. be um which you know that's no knock on habib either just the evolution of absolutely of the team man absolutely um now getting back uh, to my you know original question, um, I feel like you have to do the Justin Gaethje fight, um, especially while while the iron is hot, hot, and I feel like his stock is up. You know, he's the BMF champ. He's also coming off a sensational head kick knockout. Uh, you can even play those clips side by side in a promo build up video. Um, mm-hmm. You know, kind of show how we got to this fight. Um, and for Oliveira, you know, the cut and what happened to him is by no means his fault. Um, and it sucks for him. And I do think he still deserves a shot. Um, but I think the way that it all shook out with Volk kind of stepping in and then it kind of overshadowed Oliveira a little bit. Like, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of fans seem more excited for Islam Volk over Islam Oliveira. And then now to see how the fight kind of went down, I just feel like Gaethje kind of makes so much sense next in this storyline mm-hmm. for Islam Makhachev. Um, and I really uh, get the sense that fans would rather see Gaethje at this point as well. I mean, you know, we're three guys sitting here. I didn't ask you guys this question beforehand. And all three of you yeah. basically, or well, all three of us, um, kind of concluded and agree that we think Justin Gaethje should be next. And again, that's no knock on Oliveira. It's just... Man, that's yeah. just fighting. Sometimes storylines and things just shake out, and you yeah. can't. It is what it is. Well, and I wouldn't be mad if they say Charles Oliver. No, I wouldn't yes. be like, oh, come on. Thank you for saying that because I totally agree. But yeah, if I'm if I'm the if you're if I win in the matchup maker contest and I get to pick a fight, that's the, probably the one you do. Like I said, based on now we've seen first of all not only the evolution of right. Islam, and you want to see what that striking matchup looks like against somebody like a Justin Gaethje, but also just like. Um, the the rematch thing and you know I, I think there's just something kind of I don't know you just get this feeling after seeing because like you said you know seeing Volt get done like that is kind of weird and it's weird because we just nobody would expect it you could have picked a yeah. hundred outcomes of that fight I would love to find the person who put first round knockout Islam it's it, you know you just don't see that coming yeah, yeah head kick head right. kick yeah because you, you could see him taking him down and maybe TKOing him right. or something but yeah the head kick is like wild so when, when you see something like that you know it's kind of hard to like alright well I seen how the you know two fights ago yeah. Islam did Charles Oliveira not so great for Oliveira. Now this version, geez, well, let's try Gaethje first. Yeah, and I just don't want to see another rematch either. I think that's kind yeah. of the thing. Like, especially I want, in that division, I just man. want to see something fresh for Islam. Yeah, and like I said, especially seeing how this rematch unfolded, and then to see Islam even better in a rematch in a mm, sense. It's yeah. like let's give Oliveira like let's let that sh- play out a little bit more, maybe. Um, but like you said, I wouldn't be mad if they say well, Oliveira. And the other side too is Islam has been talking about wanting to face the winner of Leon and Colby. Yeah, and if that's the case. You don't know. You you might not get a fifty five fight other than one before Ramadan next year if he wants that fight at some point early next year too. Sure. So. Uh, in 
on the Volk side, you, you know, you just can't understate the balls on Alexander Volkanovsky, obviously, to even take this fight. Um, and then to hear him pleading with the UFC in the cage there, you know, uh, to keep him active, that was commendable. But as John said, you know, then to hear him put context behind it, right, in his fo- post-fight presser uh, where he said he needed this, you know, the, he needs to fight because without a camp, he kind of lost his head a little bit. Um, you know, it just kind of pulls at your heartstrings. You know, he got mm-hmm. very choked up, very emotional. Um, and I think for me, it kind of adds a new level of respect that I even didn't have. Or, I mean, I have a ton of respect for Alexander Volkanovsky, but newly added. You, you just kind of understand how much it means to him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and honestly, not that I've never, I've ever heard much hate towards Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, but yeah, I just think you can't help but love that guy. And I hope that he does stay active. But at the same time, I also hope that he can kind of find us some peace in his mind as well because obviously one day this is all going to come to an end fighting Mm -hmm. and stuff you know and he's going to have to find a way to to live life without a fight camp or a date or something on a calendar Um, and I would just hate to see a guy like Alexander Volkanovsky who has you know built himself up the way that he has stick around way too long and then kind of start to tarnish all of this Mm -hmm. um, because he can't mentally pull himself away from the game Um, and I'm by no means suggesting that that's coming anytime soon or that we're on the verge of it but it is inevitable time is is an inevitable right mm-hmm. so um my, my hope is that he can stay active now while he's young healthy and, and still very much in his prime he's 35 35 i still think a guy like Volk could easily go another five years you gotta think this is the first time we've seen him take significant damage mm-hmm. right out of like what 20 some fights in the ufc yeah so i think he's a guy that can stick around for a while like i said not crazy to me to think that we don't see Volk at the highest level of the sport for mm-hmm. the next four to five years. Um, you know, but even him sitting there saying, like, I don't know what it is. You know, I have a great family. I'm happy, but I just lost my mind a little bit. Um, so I do hope that he can find some peace in that regard mm-hmm. as well. But I also hope for the sake of right now that they do keep him active. So, um, yeah, I just, I, but, but again, seeing him get emotional like that just really pulls at yeah. your heartstrings again a bit. Well, and, you know, it, I think it, there's definitely some things he probably just needs to address and yeah. just in his life. If, you know, amongst your happy family, you're very successful, all these things, when you get that moment to where you actually have silent, you know, like a break where you have sure. to think of things and that's kind of where you lose it. Yeah, but it was interesting because in the build up to the fight, right, he was talking about vacations mm-hmm. and eating and drinking. Like he kind of made it seem like it was all good. Like, yeah. I'm in a good place and then you know come to find out he really wasn't right or he's been struggling with some yeah. things and um you know just like i said i i just hope that he's able to find some peace there because mm-hmm. this this can't go forever right. right and and we've definitely seen some legends um that yeah. just can't let it go and then it really just hurts the end of their career and that's kind of your last memory. And mm-hmm. I would hate to see that for a guy like Volk. For I sure. I really would. Um, and for him, you know, it seems like the match against Ilya Taporia, it, it, that was going to be the plan possibly in January, we heard. Um, he said he definitely still wants it. But I also wonder, getting knocked out, right, the way he did, it opened up a pretty bad cut there on the eyebrow as well. It does make me wonder if that timeline is even still possible at this point for January. You know, I, feel I would like, say no, because you have to do a medical suspension for getting knocked out. Isn't it like 90 days? Yeah. So, like, you know, he technically can't train or whatever. Right, and for, we've seen what, you know, this performance looks where he wasn't really training like that. And and also just the the side of, like, you know, what he said and his reaction to it. Like, you know, maybe you need to – I mean, I think Islam kind of said it too. Like, you just need some months off to kind of heal up and get back. But if he can't do it in a healthy manner right now, that's yeah. the, that's kind of the double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you guys this real quick before we move on from this fight, though. Having seen – because – 
you know, the only time we've seen kind of a chink in, uh, you know, Volk's armor has been at lightweight, right? And then as far as, like, featherweight, like, he just lost to Islam and then goes down and beats a guy as scary as Yair Rodriguez and just makes it look easy, mm-hmm. runs through him, right? Um, but do you, does seeing this kind of a performance and finish, what do you now think about a matchup with Ilya Tapoya and uh, Alexander Volkanovsky? Does it make you look at that any differently now? Like, maybe... Maybe the guy, a guy like Taporia, could do it. It is scary. I mean, and he's super well rounded. Is Ilya Taporia? Yeah, maybe one of the more well rounded guys Volk has faced in terms of putting the grappling behind the striking and mm-hmm. making them work together. Yeah, I mean, outside of Islam, I guess. I mean, at forty five yeah. for sure. I, I, and I'm not asking for a pick, you know, right? I'm just, just curious. It how is that interesting. Maybe plays into yeah. Um, just but it's also just because we've just never seen anybody tap into that at forty five. Yeah, it just we don't know. We didn't know what it looked like until now. Yeah, you know. I, I think Volk is incredibly physically strong. Like I think I think that's something that even in this fight with with Islam, Islam was going mm. for that tie clinch a lot, and you yeah. could see. Twice Volk was able to turn Islam completely yeah. against. The, how many people can do that against Islam? Just turn him against the sure. cage and get like really great position. I think at forty five, that's one of the things that you, you can't see it as obviously, but I think that really sets him apart. And I think it showed in the showed in the Yair fight because Yair was kind of pieced him up a little bit, mm. and so Volk just turned to the grappling when he needed it. I think fifty five Islam specifically is just a different breed of of strength. Sure. And I, I so I think that's kind of why it looks like that as far as the Ching. So at forty five, I'm not so sure that. I can see Ilya doing it, but I just think at 45, Volk is such a strong competitor yeah. physically. I think. So, so let me throw one more thing in there. What about the fact that Ilya Tapodia has not only uh, had a couple UFC fights at lightweight, but he's been very successful at light, lightweight mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. to the point where he considered a lightweight run, actually. You Volk know? fought pretty heavy, too, though, earlier parts of his career, sure. if I remember right. So oh, yeah, that, he fought at heavyweight. Yeah, so, so I don't I don't. Well, think I'm just saying in terms of, like, the strength aspect of, like, we know, yes, Ilya will still have to cut down to 45, mm-hmm. but so will Volk, which, you know, will give a little bit of strength, but Ilya has had success at lightweight yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, that strength must carry, you know, to some extent. Yeah. You well, think. and if you look at the first, Islam fight though I thought that Volk's strength kind of stood up and enough um, sure. against a guy who is at fifty five. So I think the real the real hole is you can't cement this guy. Yeah, he's you know he's took a lot of punches, but when you get kicked in the temple, there's just nothing you can do. But I think Ilya's capable. No, he's of definitely it off. yeah. But then again, so was every guy yeah, that I yeah, named earlier. Uh, I mean, all these guys are capable, and that and I think again wrapping this up because I could go all day on this fight alone is that just what blows my mind about what Islam did when you consider all these guys and the run that Volk has been on and even losing to Islam once where some of us thought maybe Volk kind of mm-hmm. won that or you know it was a very close especially fight. toward the end of the fight right but then to just see him come in here put a freaking stamp on it and like what that fight was just back in like what February mm-hmm. you know so we're not even a full year removed and he's just made that much of an evolution to his game um, Islam is, he's scary, man. I think he's somebody that may sit on top here for a while. Is he number one pound for pound now? It is. I mean, that's why I said we could go all day on that <laughs> because, you know, he was very vocal about that mm-hmm. with the John Jones stuff. And I don't know, man. I mean, here, I mean, I would say if John Jones didn't go up, um, and beat Cyril gone the way he did, um, he would have a good case for it beating a 145 pound champion now twice. Right. Um, I don't know, man. I we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's going to be hard to dethrone John just right now because he has such a you know longer ex- extensive resume at this mm-hmm. point built up. Um, 
but he's going to be right there in the mix, man. Let's see what happens with Stipe. I right. think uh, I would still put John ahead of him ever so slightly, not even, you know, biased, you know, unbiased, trying to be um, just because I think just a bigger body of work to judge from. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, that Stipe, he loses to Stipe Miocic. And yeah, it's just right. the next Islam wakes up as the number one pound for pound in my book, for sure. Yeah. I don't know if anybody, I mean, there's still some fights to happen. Yeah. But to this point, I don't know if I've seen anybody do anything more impressive than head kick knocking out Wolkanovski at this point. It's wild. It is wild <laughs> to even wrap my mind around. And another wild thing, boys, in our co-main event, Hamzat Shimaev defeats Kumaro Usman via majority decision. Uh, what a round one by Hamzat Shimaev. Um, and it was so dominant that it may have saved him in this fight, honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you look at, especially at some of these judges' scorecards, um, talk about a crystal ball. Almost happened exactly how I predicted (laughs) with the early takedown, straight to the back, going for a finish. Um, But, man, credit to Usman for hanging on there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's got to be just demoralizing um, to have a guy like Shemaev on your back like that, constantly attacking. I think, John, you said it, like, dude, he did not, Usman did not have one second in that round where he wasn't defending. You know what I mean? Constantly defending. That's tiring. Mm -hmm. Um, Came out. Um, and, uh, or then, but that easily, I mean, was a uh, 10-8 for Usman, mm-hmm. um, and, or uh, Shemaev, excuse me. Uh, but Usman came back then in round two, and I definitely gave that round for him. Not a ton of action, um, as Hamza had definitely slowed the pace a little bit, um, which I guess we can say now, uh, Megan O'Leary reported right after the fight that Hamza walked backstage and said he thinks he broke his hand in round one. Uh, so definitely could have attributed there to some of the slowing, especially we didn't see as much striking from Hamza for the rest of the fight, mm-hmm. for that matter. Um, but Usman in that round two landed the bigger, more significant shots. It wasn't many, but definitely gave him... He was him, pushing. Yes, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, then in round three, you know, Hamzat landed the big takedown that kind of sealed it for him, for me. Although one d- judge did give Usman two rounds, uh, but then with the 10-8, he scored at a draw, obviously. Um, I definitely didn't see it that way, uh, but as good of a win as this is... For Hamza, you also cannot say enough for Kamara Usman stepping up and putting out a performance like this on a 10 days notice or something. And recovering from that first round. Like you yeah. said, it is demoralizing, except for when you're one of the greatest welterweights of all time and you get back in it. And, you know, I think that I'll, I'll be on the right hand. I think Hamza lost a lot of, I think he burnt out a lot trying to get that finish in the first round. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of transitioning. He was trying to throw a lot of strikes, going for a lot of submissions. Usman kind of just stayed calm and just tried to keep himself in places to where he couldn't take punches fully, but he could still, you know, defend the choke. Obviously, he had to do that spike uh, last <laughs> second because that choke was almost in. like he knocked it, could have knocked himself yeah, out. On yeah. That. Uh, kind of like a kamikaze thing, but yeah, no, it's, um, it's interesting because it seemed like Usman was just starting to kind of really pick up and finding his range. It's funny you say that because Usman said post fight, uh, I which is kind of like interesting because we didn't know this aspect of it, but uh, he was offered this to be a five round fight. And he said in his post fight, I'm kicking myself because I wish I would have done a five round fight. Mm -hmm. But, you know, now knowing, you know, I I totally get why he would take a three round fight because, you know, again, this guy, we talked about it last week, conditioned for five round fights. His thought was I can go a hundred percent all out Mm -hmm. um, over three rounds. But that's an interesting takeaway from a guy that just spent 15 minutes in a cage with Hamza Shimaev that he felt, like over 25 minutes he probably had a better shot at beating i did too i don't i think if if hamzat doesn't get that takedown he probably still eats some more punches because 
he wasn't able to throw his right hand himself. He said it affected his wrestling as well. But what's, what's, and the reason I say I think he lost a lot of his energy in that first round is we've seen guys lose a weapon in a fight, but they still will wing the left as hard as they can. They'll start doing kicks. He really wasn't doing much of anything, especially toward the last half of that second. He's probably feeling it a little bit. And in the third, obviously, he lands the takedown, but kind of just is okay with just kind of sitting over him. If, if Kamaru can land some more punches, because some of them seem like they were pushing Hamzat back a little bit, he was able to kind of, like I said, get his boxing range. Two more rounds, it could be very, very interesting. I have big questions for Hamzat Gastek. Um, I think this looked a lot like the Burns fight, and initially I would have said with the Burns fight, like, oh, you know, he just was wanting to avoid a lot of the ground exchanges. Burns has great jiu-jitsu. This looked a lot like the Burns fight to me. I Like, the first round was great. All Hamzat, he put it all out there. But then rounds two and three... Man, I just wonder. I'm I'm really curious to see with the whole hand thing if that comes back as he mm. did break his hand. I'd be really curious given how much grappling there was in the first round. But I get it. I broke my hand grappling. It can happen. Sure. Um, but I just, man, like looking forward to, I don't want to go too far, but with the Strickland stuff, I I wonder, man. Yeah. Because like, I do think if this was a final round fight, I agree. I think Usman probably takes it. Go yeah. ahead. No, no, go ahead. So, oh. yeah, that was it. I just, I just... My takeaway from this was great performance. Don't want to take anything away from him. He beat the one of the best welterweights in the world, as you guys said. Like a win over Usman is great, especially mm-hmm. with I think two or three takedowns against a guy who had ninety seven percent coming into it. Fantastic, but I still I'm still questioning that gas tank. Well, let's yeah. I mean, let's talk. I mean, let's get a little deeper into that because that's a great point. We knew the winner of this um, was going to get a shot at Sean Strickland's middleweight title. Hamzat wins, so you know, presuming presumably Hamzat Shimaev is the number one contender now for Sean Strickland's title. Um, so yeah, what is your guys' early thoughts on that matchup? You know, I know the UFC um, doesn't always book fights based off of performances, but um, if you compare this performance and win to that of Drikas Duplessis' win over Robert Whitaker, you know, which do you find more impressive in terms of deserving a title shot, right? Because um, though it was a close performance for Hamza and last minute, Usman is a former champion. It, like mm-hmm. you said, Brandon, that's still a good win. No matter how you beat Kamara Usman, you beat Kamara Usman, that's a good day, son. Right. You think Leon Edwards is worried about the fact that he lost, you know, mm. four and a half rounds to, you know, Kamara Usman? No, he's sitting like I've figured out a way to do it in you know a couple minutes. Um, but yeah, you know, but then you do go to that Drikas Duplacy beating a guy like Robert Whitaker, who not many people, if any, gave him a chance to do, and then to do it in the fashion that he did, he finished him. Um, you know, I don't know that you take a second look at that if you're the UFC, but it is worth asking. You know, what what do you guys think about that and the matchup potentially with Sean Strickland? So I think marketing Hamza's your obvious choice. Sure, I mean, Hamza's a way bigger fight as far as eyeballs. Um, I think. Drikas Drikas went over, I don't know, now that you're asking me that, on the spot, I think Drikas' win surprised me way more, um, but going forward, I, I honestly think I have, I would see Drikas having a better shot at beating Strickland. Here's my thing, if Strickland gets out of round one against Hamza, I think Strickland takes that fight. Sure. Um, if Strickland gets out of round one with Drikas, I'm not so sure he takes that fight because Drikas is just, he's should, consistently surprised me so well, that's okay. where i'm at well what if you did Drikas versus hamza how do you you know over five rounds if that was like a five round uh, five, again i if you would ask me six months ago i'm like oh hamza all day today yeah i don't know it's just <laughs> I, I, that's why i wanted to ask this because i do think it is interesting that that even in a win um i feel like hamza almost left us with less answers and put a little bit more doubt in him mm-hmm. because, you know, John, you were somebody, even after the Gilbert fight, you were kind of already like, oh, I don't really know about this guy. You know what yeah. I mean? Because so. I just feel like, 
he gets hit, and it happened in this fight as well. And the gas tank thing, because here's my other thing, you know, the win over Usman, anytime you beat somebody who is who is on the precipice of being like the best of a division, you get all the credit in the world. Sure. But the guy who was, you know, he training as much as he was training, but he didn't have a chance to acclimate his body to 185. Yeah. Hamzat's been doing it for a year, a year and some change, I guess, at this point now, right? No. No, his last fight was that was t- well. It wasn't his first fight at 185. He, right, he, he hasn't fought at 85. In no, no, like I'm over saying like since he said I'm an 85er now, basically. Uh, when's the when he uh, fought? Yeah, Gern, you know, it's like been that. about a year since yeah. he's probably been putting on weight, getting used to sure. it, and for him to gas out so quickly. Or not so quickly for him to lose that steam after one round. But that's the thing. Like, did he lose steam, or was it a guy with a broken hand that he just couldn't throw it? That's the question. That's why I'm saying I'll, I'll wait. Yeah, get it back from the hand. I guess. Sure. I guess my problem though is, like I said, we've seen fighters get their whole leg kicked off, and they're still way more aggressive than he was being. I don't think he, that he wasn't aggressive. I mean, he just wasn't throwing anything, which would. Totally but you have another sense. hand. You have legs. Sure. You have elbows. Sure, and and I I could get behind maybe more. You know, after round one, he burns his legs out a little bit more. You know, having the body lock as long as he did. You know that that's not easy for the legs either. Well, I do think the takedowns in round two and three looked a lot more desperate. They weren't sure. as set up nearly as well. They weren't as fast. Like, but is I, that because he just couldn't? Well, felt like he couldn't throw. I don't even think out. he was moving as well because, like I said, Usman was starting to like walk him down. He wasn't keeping that pace. You could still throw a jab. Yeah. Like the, I think there's still things, he, but that could also be a fight IQ thing, and that could be another sure. thing that could be kind of tough for him. I'm more impressed with Drikus because we've, like you said, you've ne- we've never seen somebody do Robert like that. Yeah, and at the highest level of the you know one of the best middleweights in the world whereas Hamza did this to a uh, one of the best welterweights in the world who was trying to come up mm-hmm. but I do think that the UFC is you know it's sports entertainment so yeah, Hamza yeah I I think as Brandon, long as he's healthy that's yeah, the move I think yeah Brandon kind of said it there you know I think Hamza's gonna sell a little bit more and and it would make more sense but man that's an interesting fight even still with Sean Strickland over five rounds because Strickland's tough man if you don't put him out he's gonna be there all five rounds in your face Tagging yeah. you up, peppering you up. Um, but I think even in this loss, I still think, to me, because Hamzat put a lot of questions around himself, but even in a loss, I feel like Kamara Usman kind of raises his stock here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can't be, you know, understated. You know, much like Volk, it's you just have to have a ton of respect for the guy. But kind of unlike Volk, um, Usman is a guy who isn't as unanimously popular with fans. Um, a lot of people are super hot or super cold on Usman. Um, but I do think it is worth, you know, what he did last weekend is worthy of some recognition. And mm-hmm. I think for me personally, in some respects, I'm even more impressed, like I said, with his performance in a loss than Hamzat's in a win, if I'm being 100% mm-hmm. honest here. Uh, to do what he did, you know, late notice, 10 days, whatever it was, coming in, um, coming up a weight, in a weight class, as John said, he's never fought in, traveling to a country that's clear on the other side of the planet. I mean, when these guys go to Abu Dhabi from America, I feel like that's one of the most underrated aspects of these fights. Like, when I came, just came back from vacation, we had a 12-hour travel day. These guys are like 20 hours, son. And then yeah. it's not like you just, you know, I come home and then I can just go lay down, whatever. These guys come home and then it's like, okay, you got to sign posters. You got to go check in. You know, you got to do all this. They're getting mm-hmm. pulled in a million different ways. Um, but to do that, also, this is now a country that Hamzat calls home. He fights under the flag here. So a bit of a, you know, home field advantage for them, you know. And then to put your legacy on the line if you're Kamara Usman, right, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the chance to be great. Uh, I just definitely, you know, have even personally some newfound appreciation for him, um, even in a loss. Um, but I do want to know, um, 
it is interesting now to see what Usman does. I haven't seen him totally, you know, commit to 185. I haven't seen that he said that. I seems like he's still kind of undecided. Um, I will say though, off this performance against a guy, I think maybe you know the best, if not one of the best in this division still, in Hamza Shimaev. I'd love to see Kamara Usman commit to this division, man, uh, mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, and see if he can get back to a title shot here uh, at this weight. Um, because I'm going to tell you guys right here, right now, you can tell me tomorrow, and I'm like, let's go. Kamara Usman versus Robert Whitaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, son. Come yeah. on. Yep. Who's not signing up for that? <laughs> yeah. I think that is a fantastic matchup. I think Usman showed he can definitely hang at this weight. Like John said, you know, maybe didn't even have a full amount of time to truly commit himself up to it. Um, let's see what, you know, a full three, six months can get him mm-hmm. committing to this weight class and just throw him in there with a guy that's a former champion and, again, one of the better guys in this division. And I'd seen that he had told uh, when he talked to Islam about the, I think he talked to Islam or when he talked to DC, one of the two, he said that he wanted to come in a little under 85 because he wasn't yeah. used to fighting it, carrying so much weight. Sure. So it's kind of like the Izzy at 205 thing where it's like, if this guy can actually hold the weight and like make it to where he's not having to fight under to feel more comfortable, yeah. it becomes a lot more interesting. Yeah. I, th- I think Usman fills that weight class out easy though yeah. too i think if he really commits himself like you said i think it's an easy transition for him to, he looks to great. get there yeah and i do i would love to see him in whitaker oh, it's a fantastic match. both of them coming off a loss mm-hmm. i mean come on man it makes it's right there with a win either of them right back in the title picture mm-hmm. i mean oh dude give it to me please. another interesting part about this is how we got to Usman. With they called for Strickland to take the title fight. He says no. I was going to talk about that later, but go ahead, John. And then Jared Cannonier <laughs> stepping in but getting hurt. So I love it, John. The middleweight division has a lot of uh, new characters, but a lot of uh, new storyline opportunities. Absolutely. Boys, the next fight, Johnny Walker versus Magomed Ankalaev. Unfortunately, unfortunately, ends in a no contest. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about it, boys. Uh, let's try to break this down somewhat. So Ankalaev, uh did throw a very blatant and illegal knee. Um, the ref stopped it as he should have. Um, then the doctor comes in who had already had some stinkers on this card. You know, this guy tried telling that one guy, the Brandon Henry. guy, Henry, that he didn't get kicked in the nuts. And this guy, I last I heard, was like having some type of x-ray on his testicles it was not good yeah <laughs> so this doctor comes in um and he appeared to ask johnny walker well he did we know now what country <laughs> that he was in um and john you had kind of broke brought it up and i thought so the same as it did sound like he said yaz yeah. which would you know kind of insinuate yaz island um but his coach john Kavanaugh told megan olevy that walker uh told the doctor that he was in the desert um, and that's what the doctor felt like wasn't good enough of an answer. So he told the ref that he cannot continue. The ref waves it off. Horrible stoppage. I mean, this is like one of the worst uh, doctor deep. stoppages that I think we've ever seen. Uh, definitely top three, right? Um, Walker and Uncle Iev then get into a bit of a scuffle because Johnny Walker was kind of still wanting to continue. I will say not helping his case that he was confused <laughs> or maybe a little bit out of it. Uh, but then again, it's Johnny Walker, right? Um, there's a lot of pushing Dana White had to get in there, uh, to kind of calm things down a little bit, which you next to never see, but thank God he did because Mm -hmm. I really think he was the only one that prevented that from getting way past where it needed to go. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, cause kind of the teams were starting to come together there a little, uh, but yeah, just a nightmare, man, a huge mistake by the doctor and the commission. Um, and the question of what country you're in is wild. Right. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing. A lot of people are talking about here, rightfully so, um, 
there just has to be a better first question to ask somebody mm-hmm. like what's your name mm-hmm. like let's start there like I, I don't know man it's not like it's not like it was a flash ko i mean this we have we have five minutes like let's chill right. out a little bit like um you didn't like go down or nothing right right well and, and then here you know and the biggest thing which we all discuss is is english isn't necessarily johnny walker's first language no. either as I said, we have translators for every language sitting cage side, most fights. Um, can we not bring one in to ensure that what is being asked is being translated and understood properly? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he did just get neat in the head. He might've been a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. give me a minute, but he has five minutes, right? Why wouldn't you give him the full five mi- at the end of the day? Yeah. Like, why are you waving? He just got need. Give him a minute. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I just, just a complete mess here. Uh, but what did you guys make of it? And your kind of thoughts on it overall? Yeah, one thing that stood out to me, one of the commentators said, and I'm not, this isn't a direct quote. It's a, it's a paraphrase. And the reason for the doctors asking the question was they want they, they don't want fighters to be compromised before going out there to fight, which to me, like when you when you say something like that, it's kind of interesting because how many times do we see fighters in between rounds asking their coaches, what round is it? Sure. Like, I don't even know what round yeah. it is. So Dude, what does that great point. What, what, does, me with? what does that even mean? Great like, that point. we don't want people to be compromised. Like what's that what's that scale? Yeah. Um, because I just don't want, and like you said, the questions that we're asking I think are very important. Like what's your name? Like what round is this? Maybe, maybe yeah. that's a question we could ask. Like what color is your glove? Like something super basic. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. It's just really frustrating to see. Well, and it sounded like, you know, when I said the, I heard the Yaz thing, maybe they ask him, where are you at? He says Yaz Island. And they want to get specific. What country or, you know, what round are you in? But these are things like not only is English not his first language, but you're in the middle of a fight. Yeah. You know, when this gets broke up, you got to get right back into like in his head. He's thinking the cut isn't bad. You know, I can see a little bit of blood. Mm-hmm. I'm here. It was a legal knee. I got to be ready to go as soon as we start back. Yeah. So you, you know, you're not even really paying attention. We see guys who get poked in the eye, you know, claim to like count fingers and they kind of looking over with the one good eye to see it. I mean, yeah. we've seen, we've seen that with a lot of fighters. Well, right. Yeah. And Brandon, you just brought up, you know, that was a great point and something that I haven't really seen people discussing as we sit here today, but you do hear guys, especially over five rounds are super discombobulated. Don't know what round it is. Heck, we heard Tim Elliott um, earlier on this same fight card saying that he went out from being slammed on his head yeah. in his corner. Um, and I'm not here to say that, though, that means we should be stopping those fights. No, but, like, even getting back to it, like, Johnny Walker had five minutes. Like, yeah. give him five minutes to get his bearing. Like, you're, you're in there literally, like, a minute after he just got very hard. I mean, it was a nasty knee. It did open up a cut. Um, maybe in some, you know, even though Johnny Walker could go, that that cut was in a bad position. It was going to be running into his eye. I mean, mm-hmm. he was really going to have problems with I that cut. The, I think the cut was on the other side of his face. No, it was right above his eye. He had one right in his eyelid because you could see it starting to bleed. And then, you know, as he was walking out, it was kind of running. Mm-hmm. If Ankalaev kind of kept hitting it, which, you know, Ankalaev's a good striker. It probably yeah. would have. It probably really would have caused a lot mm-hmm. of troubles for him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and just uh, just a complete mess. And, and you know, if you're Dana White in the UFC, um, you who have very you know publicly said they want to continue to build this relationship with Abu Dhabi, um, this has to be a concern. You know, especially when he did announce just this week, this past week, I mean, um, that they just signed a new long term um, extension and relationship with Abu Dhabi to host fights, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, in his words, we're going to do, we're going to forever, we're going to do fights here forever. This is our, you know, new home dust or, you know, whatever, you know, I think if I'm the UFC, I'm investing to help build this commission and stuff to yeah. ensure that they're ready to handle 
handle big fights like this. I mean, dude, imagine if this happened in our main event. I mean, I, and again, this doctor had a couple stinkers on this card yeah. like we're discussing. So it's like it's not crazy to think he could have affected a whole main card. Like what if mm -hmm. he got called in every single fight here and just ruined an entire card for people? Um, so yeah, and, and Abu Dhabi, man, they've had some issues, you know, you know, I sent the video of Habib weighing in that one time when he fought Justin Gaethje. Um, but dude, they've had some very questionable things by the mm -hmm. commission over there. Um, so I hope to see that improve. Um, but yeah, man, this just really sucks. You know, Dana did, you know, the way he got it, kind of he settled it in the cage is you know he said we'll fix this i'm sure they're going to rebook this I'm, i mean that why wouldn't they right. right um i even kind of jokingly told john like hey they're going to brazil in two weeks right um i don't know if a guy like johnny walker could cut to 205 again that quick you know he's he might need a little bit of a little bit of time there but uh yeah man this this was just wild well and not only not only just the fight but just for johnny walker himself and i can understand where the frustration comes from you did this long camp. You're flying over sure. here to this. I mean, for Uncle I for the well. number two guy. Yeah, I'm just saying, like for on his side of it, and to not get the five minutes, and to have the weird yeah. question asked. Like, there's so many things that are are, are yeah. so messed up. Yeah, like you ask, you can ask what country, like maybe four and a half minutes into it or something. Like, I, I mean, like get let him. I don't know, dude. Just handled completely poorly. And like I said, if you're the UFC, which I am not blaming the UFC one bit for this, mm -hmm. it's not their fault. But you have got to, in my opinion, get some reassurance from the Abu Dhabi commission that this can, this will not continue. You're like, going to have to, I mean, you might have to just, better. you might have to put more money into flying better yeah. doctors, judges, refs over to make sure that things are going to stay like that, consistent. That, that Henry dude, like dude, he threw up. Yeah. yeah like he's sitting here. You're like, you didn't get kicked in the balls or something. Well, they're saying whatever. the foot went too deep and it hit his like butt and it, but it, so it didn't hit his cut, but it's like, no, that's all connected, man. And, and for the record, like, and I, cause I think it's more what you're saying. You're not, when you say better doctors, you're not implying that they're not good doctors in Abu Dhabi. You're just meaning more MMA. fight experience yeah. doctors. Correct. Yeah. Cause actually Abu Dhabi is like, if you look it up, it's actually a medical, uh, travel destination for like people mm. in the medical field. They're very advanced. They're very far. They have the means to do this the right way. And that might be why they look at this like, Oh, he's got need in the head. Get this guy sure. out of here. But they're like, wait, no, that's not how this works. Yeah. This is a different, you know, field. Yeah. So we'll definitely keep you guys posted. You know, again, I'm sure we'll probably have a pretty quick, uh, resolution to this in terms of, what they're going to do or rebook it. So, next fight, boys. Ikram Adeskarov defeats Warley Alves via first round TKO. Uh, just a stiff jab followed up by a beautiful flying knee. Um, that was the setup to the finish. And unfortunately for Alves, he did not go down when the knee landed uh, because he was out on his feet and landed a couple of big, unnecessary shots there for it. Um, Hey, Alaskarov, it's in his name, man. This dude's scary. Yeah. I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared of him. You know what I mean? <laughs> What'd you guys think of Ikram Alaskarov? That great, great performance. Flying knee was beautiful to see. Um, it was it was awesome. Yeah, at first I felt like he was starting a little bit slow, and it's like, man, I don't know how this would have went with Paulo. And then you see the finishing ability, and it's yeah. like, geez. It's the same thing with Phil Haas. I told Johnny, he struggled early in that Phil Haas. You know, Phil Haas kind of teeing him up there a little bit, and then he just has, like you just said, the finishing ability. One shot, guys go down. They're out, man. Like I said, unfortunately, Alves's body just didn't follow his mind because he was, I mean, man. they showed it in slow-mo, and like every shot he was landing there, his eyes were just like following whichever way his head went. Um Really, really brutal finish there. Um, 
we knew that they were trying to fast track Inkrom right here with the cost of fight, you know, before that fell off. Um, and I think it's safe to assume they shouldn't divert from that plan based mm -hmm. off of what we just saw here. Uh, the question is who and how far do you think they should push him up the rankings in terms of opposition, right? You know, Costa is six. Um, but, you know, do we give him like a Marvin Vittori, Robert Whitaker, or Drikas Duplessis even? Um, you know, someone who, if he beats, in theory, could give him a title shot, you know. What's Vittori, is, what's Vittori ranked? Uh, fifth, I believe. Oh. Or is that maybe too a bit too ambitious? Do you guys think, you know, I will say as well, um, I would also um, like to see the Costa fight if that's a possibility, but that elbow is pretty nasty, even though um, Costa did win his fight last night in the crowd, <laughs> um, going 1-0 in Abu Dhabi for the first time uh. ever. Um, but yeah, with how quick and easy that was, I would assume Ekrom will be ready to go again pretty mm -hmm. soon. So waiting for Paulo Costa, maybe not, unless they really just want to do that fight. But what do you guys think? What, how fast do you push Ekrom here? You know, in terms of maybe opposition, do you give him a top five guy? I think the division could use it. Like, sure. I think that would look good. But as far as what I've seen is out of his performances, I'm not so sure. sure. I mean, Worley, I think he lost his last like three, four fights. Yeah. This is kind of like the whoever would step in. I wouldn't mind seeing Nazardine, the fight that was originally supposed to happen before that. Right. I think that's another good one. Um, I, and I don't know how much you push him because you have other guys you're still trying to push sure. in that division as well too. So you kind of have to figure out where you want him to be in that. I'm glad you glad you. I for, completely forgot he was supposed to fight Nazardini Mavov. That could never be another good one unless you like again unless they just want to push him up even mm -hmm. higher. Um, John mentioned it earlier. I did leave off Jared Cannonier from that list uh, because he was scheduled or he is scheduled to face Roman Dolidze in December. So Dolidze and Cannonier are technically both booked as of right now. Uh, but Mark Ramondi. Reported, as John said, that Jared Cannonier was actually scheduled to be the replacement for Paulo Costa against Hamzat Shimaev. Apparently, Dana White had even like filmed the video mm -hmm. um, to be uploaded, and then they found out Cannonier uh, was injured and was unable to make it, and then they diverted and went to Usman. And thank God they did, man. What a moment that turned out to be. Um, but that also makes me wonder, just kind of a little sidebar me and John talked about, does that mean the Dolidze fight is still on? You know, I don't know how yeah. injured he is, but, you know, is it something Dolidze that... Dolidze and Ekron would be crazy. That'd be a great Ooh. fight, man. I, so as I had wrote down, because I could see that as yeah. well. I mean, that, I think Dolidze and Ekron, two young, hungry guys, you know, I think, I think Dolidze is like ranked seventh, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um I could see that as well, too. Yeah, I, I was really interested. Um, but if if I set a line for you guys, let's say the line, um, I put it at two and a half wins, okay? Uh, would you go over or under that before we see Ekrom fighting for the middleweight championship? I'm going to say over. You think it's going to take more than two fights? And I only say wins. that because the division is just so much on fire right now. It, with is, a, possibilities, it is a hot division, man. sure. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I would agree. Over. Over? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just going to depend. You know, if they give him a... I guess my thought was like, okay, if they give him Dolidze or Imavov, right, and then he wins that, say, and then his next fight is like Robert Whitaker. Right. Let's just go crazy, right? Or yeah. Drake is and then he wins that. His next fight's probably going to be for yeah. a title. So there, It'll it, be non-booking. There, yes, yeah, so there is a path for him to get there that quick. But, yeah, it, I just kind of, I mean, this dude, man, I don't know. He's. I want to see it against some higher opposition. Nazardine was going to be a great test, but uh, I think I'd like to see somewhere in that range before we go crazy like a Marvin mm -hmm. Vittori or something. But uh, he is scary, dude. I'm really excited. Well, and, and with the amount of talent and then just the way that booking has been happening, the middleweights kind of became this division to where, you know, if you're willing to step in and fight some like high ring guys, you can get to a belt sure. in four fights. Absolutely. Boys, Saeed.
not related to Habib Nurmagomedov defeats Muin Gafarov via first round ninja choke. Uh, one minute and five seconds is all it took, Saeed. Um, and this is almost becoming his like patented choke here, man. I mean, he is hitting this thing all over the place. I told John it's the same one he hit on Saeed Jakub. Um, I think he's hit another one in the UFC and a couple outside of it. I mean, this guy, do not let this guy on your neck. I mean, that's <laughs> safe to say at this point. Um, not much to discuss with the fight. It was so fast uh, as we become to a... Uh, custom a bit here in these performances from Saeed. Um, I think now for him, you know, you immediately just discuss and think what's next and mm-hmm. what's on them because I think we need to see him now um, be doing this and beating guys at the higher level, right? You know, he had a crack at Jonathan Martinez and it didn't go his way. So um, it's one thing to be beating up guys like, you know, Muin Gafarov and, you know, Saeed, you know, some of these other guys that he's having good success. We now need to see him doing it against ranked opposition. That's what's next for Saeed because the potential seems to be there. The Martinez fight that was a you know that was a decision loss right yeah because what I remember that was a close fight it wasn't like he I, yeah I, maybe I was maybe my um, like how I viewed Saeed was just like I thought he I love Jonathan Martinez but I just thought we were look that's what makes me so hesitant with guys like Ekrom because it's like when they start fighting you know ranked opposition it's like well let's see what that looks like mm-hmm. first you know so well I think and with John Martinez obviously that loss has aged pretty well like he's he's that's, that's fantastic so yeah. so I think he obviously belongs in that top 15 somewhere yeah let's just give him another top let's give him someone else in that I in that range you know a perfect name for me that would make so much sense uh, is put him out there against Jonathan Martinez's teammate Chris Gutierrez who just got a win last week he's ranked right inside the top 15 I, I agree with Brandon right let's put him right back in that same spot um and you know maybe go after or try to give Saeed some redemption over Martinez yeah and I, and I think um obviously this is down the road because it's not going to work with how the UFC books but if we can get to a future where you have the related to Habib versus not related to Habib Nurmagomedov <laughs> fight yeah, yeah that, that would happen. Be, it'll probably happen one day man that'd be a crazy uh setup yeah we've never had the in the we've never had a Nurmagomedov versus Nurmagomedov that would be interesting <laughs> Uh, boys, Mohamed Mokhaev defeats Tim Elliott via third round arm triangle. Brandon, cover your ears. I know. A uh, great outing by Mohamed Mokhaev. Um, I know we were all kind of worried about the knee after his last fight, uh, but he showed no signs the, that that has slowed him down or seemed to affect him in any way. Um, actually, quite the opposite. Um, and he really just kind of outgrappled the guy who has been one of the better if not the best flyweight grapplers in terms of dominance mm-hmm. in that area. Um, yeah, just thoughts of Mohamed Wakayev there. Yeah, it looked really good. And there were a couple of guillotine attempts by Elliot that I was getting excited about. I was, I was watching this on the way home yeah. from Noblesville. And, um, but at the end of the day, um, Wakayev was just all over him. I was able to, at the, at the end especially, like, I, I was really hoping that Elliot was going to give it the arm triangle, but he was just—he just kept leaving that arm there, yeah. And it just took a matter of time until a guy like Mohai was going to snatch that up, yeah, yeah. And I th- and I f- it didn't even look like it was like all the way sunk in. It just lets you know how strong this guy yeah. is. When you got to think like three rounds of getting out grappled like that, like eventually you're just going to yeah. be so tired. It's tough yeah. to fend off a lot of that his, stuff. I mean, his wrestling as well. I mean, Tim Elliott's not a slouch in that department. And that's either. what I was telling John. I was like, man, he is just a matchup nightmare. When you look up the top of the flyweight, you know, he may have just beat his toughest test in terms of just grappling 
grappling, like just sheer wrestling and strength. Mm-hmm. You know, Amir Albazi, I said, is another one that's going to be a tough matchup for him. Um, but yeah, him coming into this now, what I think is going to definitely he deserves some form of a top five, maybe just outside of top five opposition. He's going to be a tough matchup for all these guys. He called out Kaikara France. I still want to see Kaikara versus Manel Cop. I still think that's the fight to make. The story's there. There's no way they don't do that. Mm-hmm. But this flyweight division is wide open. I don't know if you shoot him all the way up to Amir Albazi. I don't even know if Albazi will take that fight. It seems like he wants to wait for a title shot, but I don't know. You know, he may have to fight him. Um, that would be a big jump for Mokhayev, but Mokhayev wants that record of the youngest champion. So yeah. you got you almost have to take a fight like that if it's off. I think he would. Um, it's just whether Albazi would take it or, you know, there's a couple other guys I think that are kind of available right now. Uh, it's just a wide open division. I I'm flyweights never die, man. I'm so mm. glad they never folded this division. Yeah. Uh, Alex Perez could be interesting. Obviously he's done some jujitsu sure. stuff in between, uh, Matthias Nikolai. I don't think he's booked. And then, but I do think his biggest, the only big test on the jujitsu side for me or grappling side would be Pantoja, the champion, but you'd yeah. have to get all the way up there first. So that, I mean, he, and he brings a skill set that would be very interesting against Pantoja. Yeah. And then, boys, outside of the main and co-main event, there was one fight, one matchup that I was most excited for on this whole entire card, excluding the main and co-main, and that was Shara Bullet Magomedov defeating Bruno Silva via unanimous decision. A great performance by Shara Bullet, man. This dude, I'm telling you, something about this guy intrigues me. Yeah. I don't know if it's the look. I don't know. John, you said he plays that heel role. Yeah. It's um, like a Bond villain. And dude. I, maybe I love that, you know, like kind of like The Rock, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like you want to hate, or like Stone Cold, kind of where it's like you, you can't hate the guy. Like he, yeah. he does so much wrong, you just love it. Uh, Bruno Silva is a tough guy to beat, man. Remember, we talked about it. Alex Pereira, um, Got all he could handle, and mm-hmm. then some against Bruno Silva over three rounds. And Pajeda went on to become the middleweight champion just, what, three fights later, I believe. Right. Um, I think Shara Bullet is as advertised. Super dynamic kicker. Um, phenomenal kicker, man. Like, I mean, seeing Bruno Silva's legs, I mean, holy, Oof. holy cow. Kicking him off his back uh, literally was outrageous. Definitely needs to work the takedown defense. That was, yeah. seems to be a big hole. Um, but even off his back, man, yeah, he, his was guard winning, strikes. he was winning. He was out striking Bruno Silva off his back. John, yeah. you kind of said he used that knee shield to create the separation and was landing elbows mm-hmm. and back fists. And, I mean, at one point literally had Bruno Silva so stunned off his back that Silva had to stand <laughs> up and disengage from the guard, mm-hmm. which then he just proceeded to land an up kick. Yeah. I mean, this guy is an animal. And at one point he throws that capoeira one where he yeah. s- swings it over. Yeah, like, in the third Around Man. there, I like Shara Bullet. There is something about this guy, like I said, that intrigues me. I love when he puts the bandana on. I, you want to talk about World, pirate, World, baby. I say you want to talk about World War II. I am probably <laughs> most fascinated in pirates. I love pirate culture, all that, like black sails. Like I love mm-hmm. that type. When that guy puts on the bandana, he literally looks like a pirate with the eye. What is that? Has he said? Is he, that it was like an injury in a fight? But he can see out of it. I think because there's no way because you can't fight blind, right? Remember yeah. Bisping had to like lie about yeah. his one eye. I think it just like messed with the pigment or something. I'm not sure. It looks awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it looks <laughs> awesome. It looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, I like Sharp so, Bullet. So the man. performance stood up to what your expectations. I had? think he's as advertised. Mm. Here's the thing, man. You know, did he finish Bruno Silva? Did Bruno Silva have success with the takedowns? <laughs> yes, but I, even in the takedowns, I never once, John. You can tell me if you felt different. 
differently. I never felt like Bruno Silva was going to win this fight. I mm-hmm. feel like Shara Bullet was just by far the better guy. And again, seeing, and I think it's almost giving more respect I am to Bruno Silva and understanding, again, go back to that Alex Pedeta fight. And Alex Pedeta went on to become middleweight champion. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. see that Shara Bullet had any less of a performance than Alex Pedeta did against uh, Bruno Silva. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. I mean, and the, the only difference is being the takedown. Sure. And at one point for Bruno Silva, and I told you this, I never really see guys that kind of like fold up just to try to like time up like a a, a flash takedown like that and he was like yeah. up against the cage hands up and then he was just like bust usually you see guys yeah. cover up and throw a big strike to try to hurt him which is what you would expect sure. from bruno silva until he's getting kicked 200 some odd times and now he has to you know switch up his game plan and there's guys in the middleweight who have better wrestling than bruno silva yeah. so there is that level of it but man if you <laughs> if you stand with this guy good luck trains yeah. at aka thailand does Shara Bullet. I mean, how many Daggy guys are training in Thailand, man? I mean, that's just wild. Uh, and I think Bruno Silva is just a really good measuring stick for where you could sit in this that, division. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just more respect towards I know how tough and, and get good that Bruno for your first fight. Whew. In the UFC, yeah. Great point as well there. Uh, I, I really believe in Shara Bullet, man. And, and just think, dude, he's another middleweight. What the that's heck? That's what I'm saying. This dude. division is crazy. I mean, how, how wild is it that. In five years, your top three middleweights, and I'm just don't go crazy, guys. I'm not like go, I'm not there yet, but just think your top three middleweights could be Shara Bullet Magomedov, Ikram Alaskarev, Bo Nickel, yeah. Kamara Usman. Like, I mean, it's just wild how fast this division mm-hmm. is like right on the verge of changing over. I mean, Sean Strickland's our champion. That's well, crazy. Well, not only that, we're thinking about you know all these other people getting a chance at you know possibly having a belt in like a year, but yeah. we're not really mentioning DDP so much because we yeah. talked about you know you took this you know this long break and now the division is like on fire and you're just you're going to come back to this. John, cover your ears. Five years, Israel Adesanya is ranked number ten in the middleweight division. Imagine that, Brandon. Ooh. Imagine that, Brandon. <laughs> John, you'd be crying. You're still to sleep. No. Yeah. He'd still, he's still pick him. No, for every, how, for every <laughs> it's how fighting works, man. Nobody can stay on the John top. John will be for drinking long. Shara Bullet tears for every night for for dinner. Uh, Brandon, update us on our scores. All right, uh, Nate, you had five points. I had three. John, you had two. So that's it. That's at eighty nine for Nate, eighty for me, seventy three for John. John, you were sixteen points behind Nate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What, what is that? What is that, John? It's what bad you, judging. What are you tripping? What are you tripping? Bad, oh. bad judging by you I, or by no, by the by the UFC. <laughs> if, if you go back, if you go back and listen, I guarantee there's probably been like three or four main events of bad judging that would have got me a decision because I've been calling decision. Oh, bad mm. judging. I, yeah, I like it. Well, I mean, I've been a victim of it as well. I mean, well, I don't have a crystal ball like you. You got to give me. Yeah, the, you, John's got an eight ball. I have my eight ball, and that's literally what your score continues to reflect. Will I win? Will I win? Will I win? Well, you, said, <laughs> you said that, dude. That was no, your right. that's what I'm, no, that's what I'm saying. But I also got talking about like bad situations. <laughs> I picked Magomed. He didn't even get a chance because the fight gets stopped. I'm literally going to make a meme. Have, have you seen Angels in the Outfield, Brandon? It's a classic. Oh, when I was a kid. Okay. I don't remember that well. There was a guy who was a pitcher on the team that has an eight ball, and that's what he would do before every game. Will I win? Will I win? Will I win? 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 And he'd shake an eight ball. I feel that's like, fighting, man. That's John. Brandon, you can see John's phone. Does he have an eight ball app on there that he, you like tap it and it just spins? Oh, I'm sure if he goes down. It goes to the home screen. I'm sure it's there. No. I mean, I mean Brand- John, you're not even like close to Brandon now. Yeah, you're. What are you? Ten, eight, nine points away. Yeah, that's three fights. 
I mean, but you just keep getting further. For most behind. people, but for most people, that's three fights. But for here's you, the thing: like, like for this card, eight. like I don't, I'm not going to gain any ground if I pick the same things as you. So I have to take chances. And like I said, with this card, why it, is that? Why are you so far back? It wasn't out of the realm to think that Volkanovski sure. and Usman could have won those fights. How did you get so far back, though? That's the, yeah, like maybe now you're in that, you know, because we're towards the end of the year. But how did you get mm. so far back? Some fighters just aren't fighting up to the potential I see in them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only, if only John's lonely hearts thought as yeah. much of themselves or performed yeah. as much as he thinks. Of Listen, them. I can't fight for him, you know. <laughs> John is always picking. You know, you know. Let's just give it to John real quick, you know. <clears throat> well, here's the that, other good that, thing. That's why John's so far behind Brandon. Here's the other thing. <laughs> good luck next year because most of them probably aren't going to fight next year. John, let's get into the news. <laughs> If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. <laughs> All right, folks. October 28th, this Saturday, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, the clash of the biggest, baddest men on the planet occur when MMA heavyweight world champion Francis Ngannou attempts to challenge boxing world champion Tyson Fury in his, in his world of boxing. Uh, it has a start time of 1 p.m. Eastern and will be available for purchase and watch on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Okay, here. okay John. What do you? What's your prediction? My prediction is that Tyson Fury wins, but he has a couple moments where it's like, whoa. How uh, how and TKO or Yeah, how and how fast? What what's your prediction? I think he wins by decision. I don't think he knocks out. I think that Francis wow. will be winging enough stuff to keep it to where he that Fury kind of just outboxes him, but I don't know if he'll I think this is and we're seeing now another reason why John is so far behind uh, Brand I mean I we don't even watch Brandon, we're not boxing aficionados. What do you think happens in this fight? Oh. I think it's going to look a lot like, would it be the second fight with Wilder? Yeah. Was that the one where, where he just would put it on him? See, and that's what I, like, I, even not being a boxing guy, like, and I brought that up to you, Like, I don't understand how you think Ngannou is going to have better success than Deontay for, Wilder, who is a boxer. For the same way that like Logan Paul had lasted a whole fight with Floyd. He outweighed him by like 80 or, or Connor. Or, or how Connor did. Like there's He got finished. Yeah. But what I'm saying is I don't think Tyson is going to take it all that serious to like holy like put it on him so hard. I don't I think he takes it more serious than probably And I think Francis Ngannou has power that you you just can't so account for. Deontay Wilder literally knocked out Tyson Fury and he right. takered himself up. But just just similar to Wilder, Wilder didn't have a lot of boxing experience until he jumped in very late in life. But he has that X factor of power and unpredictable punch. But he also had what twenty some boxing how, matches before he fought how, Tyson Fury. And how big is Wilder? How big He's is Wilder massive. compared to Ngannou? Are they are they? They're s- similar size. He's got to be massive. I don't, I don't know. Let's look it up. But the other thing about Francis is he has a really good chin as well, and he gets a ten count. So I just don't think that Fury will be able to put him out. I don't know against a boxer though. But like, your bigger gloves too. The chances he's going to get lit up in this fight compared to like an MMA fight are way bigger. Right, but what I'm saying is with bigger gloves in his chin and the ten count, so I just off, don't know. So Deontay Wilder has an 83 inch reach. He is six in a six seven. Mm-hmm. How tall is Ngannou? I'm going to look that up. Let's see. Fill, like, fill the void, John. Probably like six three, six four. Oops. That's you, what I would guess. And then, that. uh yeah, Ngannou is 6'4", also with an 83-inch reach. 257 pounds. I don't know what... Wilder probably weighs less than that. Yes, yeah. he was on the smaller side. Tyson Fury's on a big size. I think he's oh, probably like 6'7". It says Wilder's 214. Yeah, I, I could see... I think they're going to be similar size. And like I said, I don't know how serious... He weighed in at 238. Uh, last time they fought in the third fight with Fury, Fury weighed in at 277 pounds. Mm. Big boys. Yeah. 
Hey, I mean, here's the thing. I guess it, it is fighting. Anything can happen. But I just, I feel like we've seen enough of this now to know what's pretty much going to happen. Do you remember, okay, was it was it Nganu, um Oh, man, why can't I think of his name? Uh, I think he's an African fighter. Rosenstrike, Rosenstrike. Um, remember when he knocked out Rosenstrike? The barrage of punches he I threw. Don't. How mm-hmm. how untechnical they were. That yeah. was one of the comments we made. But I just don't see any world where Ngannou is going to clean up his striking enough to even touch. And I, I don't think he's going to try to do that. I think he's going to have to be unpredictable. But I think, he, but I think he's not going to be able to box it's Tyson be the Fury. the worst thing you could do to Tyson Fury, though. He's no, so it's not, though. Nice. That's, how, that's how you catch somebody who's looking for something technical. I, I just don't see it, man. Me, I, I mean, I... I mean, here, but here's the other thing. Tyson Fury... By also booking a fight with Usyk, he has to, you know, be very clean and not take any damage, or else that fight's off the table. I feel like Tyson Fury is going to play with him. I see, you know, much like Floyd did to Connor. I, I see it going maybe three, four, five rounds, and then he's just going to put him out. That's my thought. Are there any I, special rules to this? No, like, no. It's pro fight. It's, yeah, that, that was a part of the stipulations, and, and even like looking at Francis's training videos, it's like it's not very technical. And people much smarter than me in the boxing world, when I see them commenting on it, it's like, dude, what has this guy been doing for the last however many months? Because it's just not it. Son. Mike Tyson has a lot of uh, faith in him. Hey, he's one know, of the greatest ever. KSI, so. you know Tommy Fury. Maybe, maybe there's something to it. You, you never know. know. Maybe, maybe the he's so unorthodox. He just throws off the greatest heavyweight possibly to ever live in boxing. But everybody has their time, man. <laughs> your, what you got, John? Uh, to next? stick with boxing news, Showtime has announced that they'll be folding all sports-related programs at the end of 2023, thus bringing an end to Showtime's 37-year run of some of the biggest boxing events ever, including featuring fights uh, with fighters like Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns, Mike Tyson, Floyd. Uh, Anthony Joshua, the Klitschko's, Wild Fury, pretty much everybody. Their last scheduled fight will be David Benavidez and Demetrius Andrade. Uh, and this marks the end of the pay-per-view boxing era for um, just pay-per-views in general because HBO has also left the boxing game after the Canelo Glockman 2 fight. So this kind of changes things to that Danzen, um, you know, kind of just creating your own platform type of thing. Sure. Or Dana White has said that he would be interested in bringing in boxing to ESPN. Sufa. Which... Just to kind of touch back on the Wilder thing, it is kind of interesting that obviously Dana has his feelings about Francis and this fight happening, but it's going to be on ESPN Plus, who also hosts obviously the UFC sure. stuff. But when there's money there, there's money there. Did you see they blew out or blew out? They blurred out uh, Kamaru Usman's mm-hmm. Francis and Ganu shirt on the Embedded. Yeah, it's, it's root of fight shirt. They kept the company name, but they were, uh, yeah. did him. Come on. Man. Uh, George St. Pierre announced that he had a scheduled opponent for his UFC Fight Pass Invitational Grappling match. His opponent was going to be none other than Nick Diaz. Uh, Unfortunately, both fighters have since got injured with a neck injury for Diaz and a shoulder injury for GSP, thus causing the fight to be postponed. But the UFC did announce the main event and co-main event for that card where Gordon Ryan will face Mason Fowler and Nick Marigali will be facing Philippe Pena. Yeah. GSP will be joining the commentary team, though. Oh, so he's not going to compete. He's not competing. Okay. He's just going to be on the commentary I they were team. Try to find him somebody else. It's like JSP dogs Diaz though. In that match. I would have loved to have seen it, man. Like mm. we've never seen Nick or Nate like really ever just solely do jujitsu. I'd mm. love to see like how that stacks up. Like how good is it? You know, I'm yeah. not sure GSP, they're great. GSP but... puts a lot of stuff on like TriStar's channel. Oh, he trains with New Wave con- all the time. Mm-hmm. Like he's actually out here training with the best jujitsu guys in the world. So it would have been interesting. Yeah, hopefully they they get something. I mean, I know he said he wanted to. The UFC is trying to do these fight pass invitationals, kind of 
yeah. pretty consistently. So uh, plus, I feel like I'd be interested to see how good are the Diaz brothers no gi games because I feel like they're very much gi guys. Yeah, like in terms of like their jujitsu, like when I do see them posting things of training, um, they're very traditional Gracie guys. You know, like always in gis, yep. white gis at that. Like a lot of clothes um, guard stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I would, I would have loved to have seen like how good is their no gi game. What would have been the over under that at one point Nick just like slaps GSP in the head like combat jujitsu <laughs> style? Think he would have. I think they, I think they both genuinely love jujitsu. Yeah, both the Diaz brothers. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at them rebooking that. I know they talked about um, Damian Maya and some other like former opponents, yeah. Anderson. Um, yeah. I mean, even if you could do him and Habib, that would be yeah, that would be great. <laughs> John, does that Gordon Ryan Mason Fowler match interest you? A little bit, because you know anything can happen. <laughs> Um, okay, we got some fighting now. I believe that as much as I believe John watched one fight in the lead up to UFC 294 <laughs> for his picks. Definitely did. Uh, you, we have some fight announcements. December 2nd in Austin, Texas, Benil Darush will be taking on Armand Sharukian in the main event of a fight night. Um, it's a great fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great for Armand because it seems like he'd been kind of like floating in this weird spot of they gave him you know the unranked guy more recently and yeah. he hasn't been getting his name thrown into these um, big matchups and for Benil this is a chance for him to kind of get back to getting that chance to fight Islam. Mm-hmm. Uh, UFC 296 as a huge featherweight fight as Josh Emmett will face Gigi Chikadze. Um, also, just a callback to the news last week, the newly hired matchmaker who said he had a fight booked for Cody Garbrandt, his opponent now will be Brian Keller yeah, I saw at that. 296. So I just think that's cool that that kind of came to fruition. Um, the last fight announcement I have is Mike Malott will be facing Neil Magny at UFC 297. Nice. Big chance for him to kind of keep building up his his stock. Canadian MMA stand up. <laughs> right. Uh, Myra Buna Silva has been suspended for four and a half months and her win over Holly Holm has been overturned to a no contest after testing positive for a banned substance, Ritalinic acid, which she said was in her medication for her ADHD. Ritalinic. Ritalinic. There we go. <laughs> Ritalinic. Ritalinic. <laughs> Say tarantula, John. Tarantula. <laughs> I love when John says tarantula. <laughs> Say cinder block. Cinder block? Yeah. Yeah. Say it fast. Cinder block? Say it real fast. Cinder block, cinder block, cinder block? Sometimes you say cylinder block. Cylinder block? Yeah, you've said that a bunch of times when we were growing up. Say tarantula again. I like it. Tarantula. <laughs> uh, Mike Perry will be making his return to bare knuckle. Uh, the bare knuckle ring as he faces fellow former UFC and MMA star Eddie Alvarez, who is coming off of his bare knuckle victory over Chad Mendez. And the last and probably the biggest news is Dylan Danis was released by Bellator. I saw Making that. him a free agent. Uh, he has made comments saying that he feels that he's made for the UFC and his skill and ability to sell fights would be his number one. I can see it. I could see it as well. All right, song of the week. Uh, I'm going to go Armed and Dangerous by Juice World. R.I.P. Nice. Love Juice World. Uh, one for the people. Brandon, what you got? Uh, happy birthday to my kid. He's three today. So that's pretty uh, cool. What is the best part of being Oliver's dad? The best part of being Oliver's dad? Um, probably watching him pick on his mom. Like he, he like specifically will go after her and try to wrestle her and body slam her and yeah. just, and just won't come after me. And it's just, I love it. It's, it's your like favorite my, part. It's one of my favorite things. I love it. John, what's your one for the people? Um, I don't really got nothing big this week. Um, uh, Notre Dame didn't play, so I don't have to worry about them losing and <laughs> about to go see what's happening with my Colts. So there we go. <laughs> Can't be any better than probably what's happening with the bears. What an absolute meltdown. Is Field starting this? Did he, they no. end up, oh, they took him out? Oh, it's, oh they took him out? Like he's injured. Oh, okay. Yeah, torn ligament in his throwing hand. So mm. probably he's week to week, I think. Uh, my one for the people. Let's see. I, You know what? I'll say this one. Why is buying a geese 
so annoying. I, I just you can't go to a store and try it on. I know, man. And it's like, all right, maybe if you're like a little guy, like a smaller guy, like the way that they size geese, it like, okay, maybe that works for you. But when you're a bigger guy, like most bigger guys are disproportionate anyways. Right. Like, because like if I weigh 250 pounds, that doesn't mean I'm six eight. Yeah. <laughs> like, like why is that your metric? Yeah, I had to find a specialized company who did sizes where it's like, oh, oh you know, most guys who are yeah. you know in that area, they're probably shorter. Because like usually, Gosh. if I get a guy a gi my size, it's like a foot too long on oh. the arms and the legs. So I got an A four from Hyperfly. The the jacket fits perfect. Like like it was tailor made. Like it's perfect. Um, the pants I literally like have the strings pulled so far that I can tie twice. them around myself, <laughs> and they're still like falling off my butt. Mm. And I'm like, how do like. Yeah, you, it's you, just so annoying. And then, like, okay, and fair enough if that's like, okay, cool. At least give me the option to like, like I want an A four in jacket and yeah, A three in pants. Yeah. Like, why yeah. can't we have that option? That's what I was just about to say. It's like a sweatsuit, right? When you get like the yeah. sets, it's like you know I might be a four X and a hoodie, but I'm not four X pants, right? But at least like like those, like I feel like that's not really a thing. Like most of the bigger brands, like Nike, yeah. Adidas, that sell like higher end sweatsuits, like they've realized yeah. we need to sell these separately. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I don't understand why that's not an option. Like shout out to Origin who. I love their geese, but I wanted something. I wanted something a little different. And Origin mm-hmm. just is kind of really like same st- stuff. Standard white, white black, black, blue. Yeah, um, and I wanted something a little different. Um, but they've got that. Like they get it. <laughs> like you, you order your pants and your mm-hmm. jacket size separately. I don't know. We'll have to like, have our boy Hysam talk to Hyperfly about uh, that. I know because now I got to email him and see if I can get a A3 in the uh, gi pants that I have. And most of the time, I've asked that before. I, my first gi was a tatami, I believe, and I had this same issue. And mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, no, we don't piece them out. Why? Mm. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Too much work. You don't have to package them together. Just yeah. put the jacket in a little plastic bag and the pants in a little plastic bag. I don't Sell know. them separately. That's my gripe. That's my gripe. Hey, that's what ha- that, that that's been the biggest problem Bane in my existence. Life. Yeah, the last <laughs> week. Yeah. All right, boys. That's all we got. Come back next week, episode 156, where we will give our picks and predictions uh, for UFC Fight Night. Not in the Apex, actually, down in Brazil. It's going to be Jelaton Almeida and Derek Lewis. We'll get you guys set up. Um, probably do a game, maybe something. We'll do something else next week, obviously, as well. So we'll see you guys then. Peace. Peace.